Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. Tonight, an alarming new school outbreak. At least a dozen students with autism infected. How two COVID-positive women were allowed to fly from Sydney to Melbourne, what the government's accelerated vaccine goal means for our freedoms, and lockdown without the hangover, the boom in booze-free drinks. But first, there are major concerns tonight about a COVID outbreak at a school for children with autism in Sydney. Our reporter Tom Hartley's live at that school tonight. Tom, good evening to you. What do we know? Well, Michael, we know that there's at least 18 cases now linked to this cluster here at the Giant Step School in Gladesville. Uh, the school closed its doors last week after learning of that first case, that being uh, one of the staff members and this being the Delta variant. It quickly spread through the school, passing that on to a student. Now we know that there's at least another three staff members there and another eight family members of these students uh, who have contracted the virus through this school. So some quite stressful times ahead here. So you've got hundreds of children and their respective families in isolation and as the CEO of Autism Awareness Australia has stated earlier that's Nicole Rogerson she said there will be outrage finger pointing and anger but right now I'm thinking of all the students their family and staff and, and Tom so difficult then for all the other students from that school who were forced into 14 days isolation Oh, absolutely, Mush. You, you can understand, or, or perhaps you couldn't, unless you really know families who are living with children with autism, even uh, slight autism, moderate to severe autism, is, is quite tricky uh, to, to, to live with and to, to keep these children in their support networks is really important. Yeah. That's why having a facility, a school like this, is so important to have its doors open. So this will certainly throw things into disarray for so many families here. Your heart really does go out to them through this uh, tricky time in isolation. Absolutely. And Tom, it came on a day when there were further restrictions uh, tightening in several areas across Sydney. Yeah, Michael, we've got three new local government areas uh, now plunged into that uh, more, more tighter restrictions there, those areas of concern. That's Burwood, Strathfield and Bayside. Some 200,000 people now told that they can't go further than five kilometres from their front door. And also they've got to wear masks at all times. It comes on, a, on another really big day of cases for Sydney here as the government confirms that it's called on the ADF for even more help, even more assistance, asking for troops to come and help set up vaccine hub in some of those vaccination hubs in some of those at-risk areas also uh, confirmed that uh, authorities including the police commissioner are working to tighten loopholes to try to flatten the curve here in Sydney and we're, we're hoping that that is possible at this stage Michael. All right Tom Hartley in Gladesville in Sydney thank you for that. Well it was the vaccine target the Prime Minister wished he'd never been set all adults to have one dose by October but a sluggish rollout meant that goal was quickly scratched. Now, Seven News can reveal that against all the odds, it is back on the table. Jennifer Beshwadi is in Canberra for us this evening. Jen, good evening to you. Talk us through these latest predictions. 
Well, Michael, as Seven News revealed tonight, the federal government's original target of everyone who wants to get the jab to be able to have one by the end of October is now back on the table. Official projections circulated by senior ministers and seen by Seven News now predict that 76 to 77 per cent of eligible people getting their first dose by the end of October and 66 to 68 per cent getting their second dose. Now, this is if the high take-up of jabs continues at the current rate. Ministers are now confident that we'll reach that 70 to 80 per cent target of easing restrictions, putting an end to lockdowns and border closures, not by Christmas, Michael, but by the end of November. That would be extraordinary and a bit of hope that we need to look forward to. And after a, a year, Jen, without a local COVID uh, transmission, uh, the ACT, where you are, has found itself in lockdown. Here's the Chief Minister announcing that news today. This is the most serious public health risk that we have faced in the Territory this year. Immediate and significant public health responses are needed to get ahead of this Delta strain. No one wants to be here today in this situation. But we have one opportunity to stamp this out. All right, Jen, what do we know? Well, since that press conference, Michael, there's been three additional cases. So that's a total of four COVID cases in the ACT. The first instance of community transmission since May 2020. We understand it is the Delta strain and spread from Sydney. There are multiple exposure sites, including a shopping centre and uh, a church service on Sunday. Testing queues uh, stretched back kilometres today. People were queuing in their cars for hours and panic buying is back at the supermarkets. Coles is now enacted a two-pack limit on toilet paper. Uh, Parliament has risen for the week. It will be back on the 23rd uh, this month. Uh, that's still going ahead at this stage because parliamentarians are classified as essential workers and this lockdown is just for seven days. But if there's one thing we know for sure, Michael, and that is how, uh, how unpredictable this virus is, who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. All right, Jen Bishwadi in Canberra, thank you. There are serious questions tonight over how two COVID-positive passengers flew into Melbourne from Sydney illegally while they were infectious. Our reporter Christy Cooper is live in Melbourne tonight. Christy, good evening to you. So, it's a big question. How did the passengers manage to fly in? Good evening, Michael. The two women flew in using an invalid green zone permit, even though they were coming from an extreme risk zone and were not permitted to enter the state. It wasn't until they arrived that they were taken straight into hotel quarantine and then yesterday they tested positive for coronavirus. What that's meant is that everyone who was on that flight, all 46 passengers and crew, now have to go straight into isolation. Many of them had been coming to Victoria for compassionate reasons, things like saying goodbye to loved ones or attending a funeral. Instead, they're going to have to isolate for 14 days. The uh, health officials say they have asked interstate airports to check everyone before they get onto flights, but that clearly has not been happening. They're now looking at uh, other options for trying to keep the state safe, including things like rapid testing on arrival for anyone who comes in from a high-risk area. Testing Commander Jerome Weimar says that between the two women, they have been been fined more than $10,000. Look, these people should not have left in the first place. Let's be very clear. And I think, you know, our, our colleagues in Sydney would absolutely agree with that. They should not have left in the first place. Um, it is a moot point as to whether they should have got tested. They should never have gone to the airport. 
It comes on a day that Victoria has recorded 21 new local coronavirus cases. 15 of those had been isolating for their entire infectious period. However, unfortunately, four are mystery cases and authorities are now scrambling to try to work out how they contracted the virus. Three of those are from Glenroy and one from West Melbourne. Our exposure site list has blown out to 385. Nine new Tier 1 exposure sites were listed today. So Victorians are being urged to keep a really close eye on that list as it is being updated by the hour, Michael. It is expanding, isn't it? All right, Christy Cooper in Melbourne, thank you. The Queensland Premier has threatened to further crack down on the New South Wales border as the Delta virus continues to creep north. Our reporter Elliot Chip is in Brisbane for us tonight. Elliot, good evening to you. What's the latest here? Good evening, Michael. Well, that border is getting thicker and bluer by the day. Police heavily monitoring the border between Queensland and those northern New South Wales local government areas that are now locked down. Of course, there is a border bubble uh, so that people can freely move between those areas, even though the rest of New South Wales is locked out. But that's under threat. The next 24 to 48 hours proving critical to see if uh, there will be further restrictions applied on movement there. Uh, here's what the Premier had to say with a very stern warning for Queenslanders earlier today. The Deputy Premier and I will be having a phone hookup with our uh, mayors along those border communities uh, just to reinforce uh, to them that no one should be crossing that border to go into New South Wales at this stage. Uh, so really they don't want anyone travelling, even just to go to the shops, only for essential work uh, so that they don't risk bringing that virus back into Queensland, risking further lockdowns. The government also rushing Pfizer potentially to those southern areas and western districts uh, to add a further layer of protection. Michael? Elliot, the border restrictions are adding more heartache to one bereaved family. Absolutely. Uh, this is very tragic and just another example of how this virus is really dividing this country. Tragically, Mia, uh, just five months old, passed away earlier this week when her and her parents were going for a walk in a suburban park in Brisbane. They were swooped by a magpie. Her mother fell over and Mia was seriously injured, sadly passing away uh, on Monday. Now, her extended family, they live in New South Wales and especially actually in hotspot areas. So they have applied to come into Queensland to be with the family, to offer support, to attend the funeral. Uh, that's been approved but they have to do mandatory 14 days hotel quarantine. They've appealed that decision. They want to be with the family to offer them support. But as we've seen with these new cases in Queensland today, they pop up on day 10, 11, and the chief health officer just can't risk that spreading. So very, very difficult. All right, Elliot Chipper, thank you. Thank you, Michael. More on the COVID and vaccine situation right across this country. Epidemiologist and World Health Organisation advisor Mary Louise McClaws joins me now. Mary Louise, good to see you again. Have we completely let go of COVID zero targets? Sadly, I think we have, because if we hadn't, I believe that we would be using different strategies because I believe the authorities would realise that the current strategies, and we've been under lockdown for, oh gosh, over 46 days now, is it 47 days now? And we really haven't budged uh, that proportion of people who haven't been in full isolation. So something's going wrong and we need to understand it. If we had more granular information in the morning presses to find out are they catching it at work, how they're catching it, how they can stop it, uh, it might help. Mm. Um, but we need 
a, a different approach. So that leads me to the question, the targets we're heading for here, 70% to 80% of the eligible population getting fully vaccinated, or just a single vaccination by October we heard tonight. Um, correct me, but I don't think any countries achieve those, those full rates. Will we actually achieve them? Well, that 70 and 80% are actually not of the total population. Um, our authorities keep telling us that they're of 16 years and over, the adults who are eligible. And at the moment, we, although it's legal to vaccinate 12 to 15-year-olds, um, we aren't including them yet in the plan. So if you have a look at the proportion of 16 and over for the total population, that's 80%. And then if you're talking about 70% of 80%, that's actually 56% of the total population. That's only really one in two people who will be vaccinated when they start lifting restrictions, or if they're talking about 80% of the adult population, it's still low. It's still 64% of the total population. That will leave one in three people at risk because they won't be vaccinated. So we haven't seen it reached yet. I mean, Iceland has got 75% of adults are vaccinated. They're still having a problem. And uh, in Israel, the one, one way they got uh, uh, such a high um, coverage so fast, and it's about at 62%, I believe, is because they actually sent out what app um, invitations and told you when to turn up and where to turn up. Yeah, okay. And I think that will help. If we get to those targets, 70, 80%, would we still be contact tracing and testing at that point? Uh, sadly, I don't think we will. But if we start to get Delta Plus or you know, Super Delta, of some sort, we will need to do that, is even more transmissible. And I think it's time that we start looking at doing what the UK is doing and giving people home kit testing and then contact the authorities for a confirmatory test. There's still a long way to go in all of this, isn't there, Mary Louise? It, it's a very long way. And I'd remind uh, you know your viewers, choose any vaccine, but get vaccine because uh, it will prevent you from uh, severe illness, uh, hospitalisation and all the complications that go with that and death. The first vaccine is for yourself and the second vaccine is to prevent you from getting symptomatic disease and passing it on. So please get vaccinated. Good advice as always. Mary Louise McClaws, thank you. Stay safe. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The High Court has rejected an appeal application hearing for the youngest daughter of the Biloela Tamil family. The family and their supporters had hoped that four-year-old Tanika Marugapan would be granted a protection visa. The decision means the Federal Immigration Minister will now review her eligibility. Just three weeks out from its start, the Royal Adelaide Show has been cancelled. Event organisers decided to pull the plug after learning that crowd numbers would be limited to just 5,000 a day. It's a fraction of the 85,000 the show previously attracted. Losses are expected to spiral into the millions.
At Humpback Whale, which was tangled in shark nets for two days, has been freed by marine experts off the Gold Coast. A small portion of the netting couldn't be removed, but rescuers tracked the whale after its release and confirmed that it was able to swim freely. And how about this? Might be you. A single ticket has tonight won the entire $80 million Powerball jackpot. The lucky winner is from Victoria and bought their ticket online, but officials haven't been able to get in contact with them yet. 13 other people won over $100,000 each in the second division. Sales of non-alcoholic wine, beer and spirits are soaring, with major retailers reporting a 100% rise in sales in the last 12 months. Our network finance editor, Jem Acton's here with us now. Jem, good evening to you. Hi, Michael. So the question is, are we drinking less alcohol and switching to non-alcoholic, or are these people who have been drinking soft drinks in the first place and taking up the non-alcoholic No, mixes? the producers of these drinks are really trying to go after people who do like a drink. Right. They might like it to relax. They might like to have one in their hand when they go for dinner or to meet people, uh, or even the taste, because the taste now non-alcoholic is getting so much better um, but these people might not necessarily want to have so much alcohol as they'd had in the past so that's really the target market if we look at alcohol sales last year in Australia we actually had record alcohol sales about 15 and a half billion dollars which was about three billion dollars more than the year before but not because we are drinking more in terms of volume we're drinking more expensive premium alcohols and there has been a pickup in non-alcoholic drinks as well as you mentioned, Coles saw its sales double. Uh, Endeavour Group, which owns Dan Murphy and BWS, saw about an 83% rise over the past year. And this is really being driven by younger Australians. They're more conscious of their health and well-being, but also more conscious of their reputations. We used to you know, get away with a, a big night out. And mm. these days, there's a huge risk it'll be posted on social media and be around forever. Your parents, your employers, your yeah. teachers might very well see it. The other thing that's driving the trend is there's just so much more choice and range these days, so it's not such a sacrifice. Who's leading the way here then? Is it solely non-alcoholic brands or are the big, the big liquor brands getting into this uh, quick and fast? Well, so they've made a really aggressive push recently. You're seeing some of the biggest global alcohol companies now dedicate 20 to 30% of their portfolio to this. They really see this as a trend that is here to stay. It's not just in Australia we're seeing this. We are seeing this around the world. Now, that said, there's also a lot of effectively craft brands trying their luck as well who are doing exclusively non-alcoholic drinks. So if you look on the beer side, yes, you have your, your Heinekens and your Carltons and your Coopers with zero alcohol, but you also have a whole host of really small new ones, Heaps Normal as an example, Tinnies, Nort, who just do purely non-alcoholic drinks. And it's the same on the spirit side. You have some pure play, like Liars, uh, and then you also have Seedlip, which is owned by Diageo, one of the world's biggest right. drinks brand, uh, which is one of the most popular non-alcoholic spirits groups. I saw Gordon's. I mean, Gordon's famous gin. That's with right. non-alcoholic gin. That's right. <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> interesting. But one of the uh, weird points is they, they promote these as being healthy drinks. But is that the case? Well, look, having no alcohol is certainly better overall, all things equal, for your body and, and many people mm. mentally as well. Uh, they shouldn't be billed as healthy as such because there's still sugar, there's still carbs, and so you're better off with water if you are going mm. to diet. Uh, but the point you raise about Gordon's is an interesting one because many people start to worry as well that they're actually too close to the real thing. So if you have beer and wine and spirits that look and taste and smell exactly like the real thing. Do children become familiar with it earlier, more comfortable with it, and yeah. is it effectively a, a gateway product to have a familiarity with alcohol earlier than you should? Now, we haven't had this range long enough to do any proper research into this, but there are some researchers who are eager to get going once we yeah. have a few more stats, because that is one other 
side effect concern Something people to look are worried at. about. Footnote, though, I tried to look for one of these gin brands in Dan Murphy's. Gone. Sold out. Very popular. Nothing on the shelf. <laughs> there you go. All right, Jim, thank you. Thank you. With the government urging employers to only allow their workers on site if they've been vaccinated, a lot of questions have been raised about the legality of no jab, no job policies and potential lawsuits they could spark. Joining me tonight to discuss this and a few other headlines are journalist Carolyn Ovington, marketing expert Dee Madigan. Great to see you both here remotely, but good to have you on the show again. Dee, let me ask you first, should this kind of rule in a workplace be legally enforceable or is that a slippery slope? Look, it is a slippery slope and you, you certainly don't want it ad hoc everywhere. There are definitely cases where there is a reason for it, a very limited number of cases, okay. in which case it should be as a public health order because of medical evidence and in which case there is precedence to say that is okay. So there's been a couple of cases of people not having the flu vaccination and um, they, had, were, they had an unfair dismissal case that they lost because the court found, the Fair, Fair Court of Australia, whatever it is, found that it was in the best interest of the aged care people they were dealing with that they had this vaccination. So in short, it should be a public health order for a very limited number of occupations and the government then needs to show some leadership on this and not leave it up to companies because we're going to get into a really messy position. Yeah, it's starting to already. Carolyn, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's incredibly murky, isn't it? It's surprising to me that we can't force people to get vaccinated when we're in a pandemic that affects the whole country. And I frankly would not be mucking around with it any longer. I would force people to get vaccinated whether they wanted to or not. I would make it a condition of being in the workplace. Um, particularly if you're in any kind of public facing job, a teacher or a bus driver, or even if you worked in a cafeteria, I wouldn't care. I mean, I'm already at the point now in my own neighbourhood where somebody approaches my front door, they're not vaccinated, they're not welcome. Yeah, you're being quite strict about that, are you, Carolyn? Oh, completely. I think it's, it's ridiculous that we can say to people that they don't have to be vaccinated when we're in a global pandemic that has affected everybody's lifestyle and also their health. And, it's, um, and this is a disease that kills people. Mm. And I don't understand why the government advertising is as weak as it is either. Like you see the government ads and they're things like, oh, why don't you just mosey on down to the chemist and see whether they've got any vaccines? What, should we, what we should be saying is this is a deadly disease. It can kill you. Run out your front door tomorrow and get vaccinated as quickly as you can with any vaccine that you can find. Do it immediately or you may die. But that's not I, what I we're saying they, at all. I think, though, that the campaign's been deliberately not particularly effective. The last thing the government wants is people rushing out to get vaccines when there isn't enough but you of know them, that there's people the, out in South... It's completely untrue that there are not enough vaccines. Firstly, we can make the AstraZeneca vaccine right here in Australia. It is the best one. It gives you the best coverage. It's made right here. It was developed in England by Oxford scientists who are absolute geniuses. It's really good for you. You should get it straight away. If you want to get it's fast... It's not available. If you want to get there fast... People... Of course it's available. There's so much it's AZ, not... we're throwing it out. There's, there's so not, much there's AZ, we like are throwing Walgett, it out. People Walgett are holding today. on... They're rushing no. AZ into Walgett. People are saying, oh, I want to wait for the Pfizer. I think I'll wait for the Russian one. Don't wait. This can kill you. And it's also killing all of us. It's killing the dreams of our children. Nobody can travel. No one can go to work. Nobody can do the most basic things, like go and see their children who are dying of breast cancer in mm. Melbourne. It's ridiculous. Get vaccinated. Do it immediately. 
Dee? I can tell you, because and I'm in one of the lockdown LGAs, I've got people on Facebook who are trying to get appointments. It is still not as available. In some areas it's available and in some people are still struggling. It is just not true, Dee. I went on to a... Somebody it told me that true. yesterday. Oh, I can't get an appointment. So I went on to a Priceline chemist website and got an appointment for 9.15 the next morning. Just like in that. In what area? In whatever area I chose. I did a no, whole... No, I'm a... not allowed out of my area. People are not allowed out of their LGA. <laughs> so if there isn't one in you their LGA... You are vaccinated. Michael is vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. Pretty much everyone who wanted to get vaccinated got vaccinated. Everybody else is sitting around saying, oh, I'm not sure. I think I went for this one. I'm a bit worried okay. about... Okay, I'll stop for a minute because I do think Dee does have a point. There, there, uh, it is patchy. It's just not consistent. There are areas where where it is just still too hard to get. Interestingly, a lot of a lot of in the you know 30 year olds, even younger. Uh, my son is now one of them. Uh, you know, 18, 19 into early 20s, are now choosing AstraZeneca because there are supplies of AstraZeneca around. If you go to GPs or some chemists or really search it out, but it, but it is patchy, isn't it? And why wouldn't you choose the AZ? Got... It's the best one. It was developed in Oxford at Oxford University by two prize-winning scientists, both of them women, who who worked on an old model of vaccines, old school style. It is the best yeah. one. You should get it immediately. Then you've got a case, say I've got a 16 year old who works at McDonald's in the Canterbury Bankstown area. He's not eligible for a vaccine. Yeah. He's in a fast food restaurant. It's just madness. That would be maddening because he yeah, absolutely should be able yeah. to get vaccinated. It's maddening that 16 year olds are not included. Today I heard about a 15 year old who works at Bunnings. Now a forward facing job, dealing with the public all the time, can't get vaccinated. That is absolute madness. We should be trying to vaccinate as many people as possible and scaring them to death if that's what it takes. Just on vaccinations, do you get the sense, I mean is it, is it fair to say we've turned the corner? The past few notes on this show we've interviewed enough people now to say that the Vaccination rates are ticking up. We've heard from the government today saying that, you know, early October, 70% single jab across the country. Do we have some confidence? Is that, is it false hope? Are we looking at the right thing here? Because obviously the target to zero now is a waste of time. Herd immunity is getting all foggy and muddy and no one quite yeah. understands whether that's correct or not. It's all about vaccinations. Have we turned the corner, do you think, Dee? I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel like there is this cohort of people who get, the more we yell at them and tell them all the facts and things like that, the more entrenched they get in how they feel. And I think we need to be really careful about how we talk to those people. If we're going to get them on board, it, it needs to change. And I think it almost needs to be, look, I get why you're confused. There's been so many different messages, yeah. but, but, you know, and so so I'm, I'm concerned that there is a really strong cohort of people who just don't want to get vaccinated. Carolyn? No, I say to hell with them. I'm sorry, I've had enough. And I think most Australians have had enough. I'm tired of sacrificing my children's future and the future of... I mean, for some children, this has been a third or half of their life yeah. in lockdown. It does bad things to children's mental health. Young people who are aged 18 to 21 should be out overseas, travelling in Europe, having sex with the wrong people, making bad mistakes, getting really drunk, waking up on beaches, doing all the kinds of things that young people are allowed to do. Instead, they're locked in their homes, they're staring at walls, they're looking at screens, they're going out of their minds and it's because there's a bulk, there's this, this rump of the population who says, oh, I'm sorry but I won't get vaccinated. Well to hell with them. I'm no longer prepared to sacrifice the freedoms of the majority of the country for this poor group of people who will yeah. not understand basic science which is that vaccinations are safe and will get us out of this pandemic.
I reckon that sounds fun for old people too. I'm just saying some of the things you said there, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, did you, what did you both make today? Obviously, there was a, there's a COVID alert in Canberra tonight and other few cases, but special flights chartered today to get the politicians back to their home electorates uh, after Parliament broke um, to avoid the Canberra lockdown. Uh, I guess I sort of understand it, but there's so many double standards going on at the moment. Dee, is that okay? Oh, oh, my God, yeah. So some of the Queenslander ones went down two weeks ago for one week and then found out while they were there they couldn't go home. Fair enough. So they have to stay down for two weeks. Fair enough. To sort of say that they then have to stay for another week because Parliament doesn't sit next week yeah. and then for two weeks of Parliament, you're asking people who are often their mums and dads of you know young families to be away from their families or away from their kids for five weeks. I wouldn't do it. I don't think it's fair to expect our politicians to do it. Carolyn? Oh, you've got to be joking. <laughs> it is the greatest double standard I have ever seen. It is disgraceful. There is a woman sitting in Sydney tonight whose daughter is dying of cancer mm. in Melbourne, who has been denied an exemption. She is prepared to go into hotel quarantine. She's vaccinated. She's, prepared, she's fully vaccinated. She couldn't be a safer candidate. Yeah. She's been denied permission to go to Melbourne to care for her daughter after two weeks of quarantine, when her daughter has two children under the age of five. There are people yeah, who have missed funerals. There are people well. who have missed weddings. There are people who have said goodbye to their mothers on iPads. And, the gov and you're saying, Parliament, oh, the politicians can't be without their children for five weeks. You've got to be joking. People have not, not seen their families for two years, Dee. There are it Indian Australians, okay. Chinese Australians, Pakistani Australians, you... Muslim Australians who have not seen their family for two years. Oh, OK, Caroline, how would making the politicians not see their families for five weeks change any Because of it's meant to be one rule for all of us. Remember, they're the ones going around saying, we're all in it together. But no, we're not. We're all in it. If we're not celebrities, we can come to Australia and be on reality shows. If we're AFL footballers, we can go to hubs with our partners and play our games. If we're ordinary Australians who want to go to our, the funerals of our loved ones, we're denied. It's outrageous. Would you have stayed away from your kids for five weeks if you're there, a politician? There are some people who are in that position. Why would you they, It's not to do with me personally. It is. It, of These course it people. isn't. It's to do with Australians generally. What are Australians currently suffering? There are so yeah. many Australians who are currently apart from their loved ones. Why should politicians be any different? Extra flights to get them out of Canberra. You've got to be joking. You can't get a flight into Melbourne. Uh, showbiz news, but with a COVID twist, Jennifer Aniston, the superstar, is ditching some of her friends, uh, those who won't get vaccinated. Seems extreme, but she's doing it. Carolyn, I think I'm pretty sure I know your opinion <laughs> on this one at the moment. Is, is the jab a deal breaker in Absolutely. your circle? I don't, yeah. I don't have them in the house. I don't let them even come onto the foot. If you're not vaxxed, you're not welcome. And I think that that should be the rule for everybody. Mm. Because the point about vaccination is it's herd immunity. Doesn't matter if I'm vaxxed, you're vaxxed, D's vaxxed, everybody has to be vaxxed for it to, to work. So the idea that you want to be friends with somebody who might infect you with something that could kill you, no. D, in lockdown, have you considered ditching any friends who refuse the vaccine? I'm only friends with people online, not in real life anyway, because people are, <laughs> people are exhausting, so it doesn't really make any... But I, I do know, that I, I have a feeling I, I've got some relatives who might, you know, have views on, on vaccinations mm. that are not mine, and so I think we very sensibly just... They don't bring it up and I don't bring it up, but there is one woman on Facebook who posts stuff, and I can't help myself. Yep. I can't help myself. I think, don't react, don't react, and instead I get it's on the hard not to. It's, it's hard so not yeah, to. Yeah, it really it's is. It's hard it not really to. I have, I have a similar situation where I have just said to this person, look, you and I 
are in complete opposite corners on this whole thing and neither of us are going to budge from those corners. So let's just stay in those positions. There's no convincing. All right, I think it's fair to say that uh, everyone's getting to a, a point of being fed up. Would you both agree? <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Let, go back into lockdown. Thank you for joining me tonight, though. <laughs> Carolyn D, thank you. Yeah. Good night. Now, Gemma Acton's back with a look at the markets. Thanks, Michael. Aussie shares just managed to hold on to finish marginally higher, helped by strong earnings updates from Telstra and QBE Insurance. But it was a different story in Hong Kong. Shares there were hit by ongoing fears over China's tightening regulation of business. And there's little direction from US futures just yet. That's as investors wait for the latest jobless data to land tonight. Analysts are hoping for a new pandemic low. Gold has regained some ground lost overnight, rising on the back of a dip in the US dollar following last night's inflation numbers. And that also gave a boost to our local currency, the Aussie dollar clawing its way back up to 73.6 US cents. Michael. Thank you, Gemma. Olympic gold medalist Ariane Titmus has certainly left her mark on swimming and her hometown. The Tasmanian-born athlete began her career at Launceston Aquatic Centre, which may soon bear her name. The city has approved a motion to look into naming the pool after Ariane. Well, thank you for your company this evening. From the team here at 7 News, that is the latest. I'm Michael Usher. Have a good night.